from the Toronto Sun, Steve Simmons. Steve, how are you? I'm well. Good to be here. Absolutely. Steve, I want to go over Leafs, Jays. We'll sprinkle in a little bit of everything with you today. Um, so let's start with the Leafs poll question, how, how you would answer it as far as we're all happy with the Tavares signing, the center, the goaltending. The defense is still hanging over a little, a little bit of a cloud. Are you surprised that the Leafs haven't addressed it in a, a bigger way this offseason? No, I'm not. And I think one of the things that they need to find out is they need to find out about the players they have. Mm-hmm. And if you look from about 5 to 10 on their depth chart, there's... I would say capable or possible NHL defenseman. So, you know, what does Travis Dermott become in his second year? Mm-hmm. Uh, what does Callie Rosen become if he makes the team? Like, there, there, are, there, are peop- there are parts here that the Leafs are optimistic about. And there's a good group, you know, getting all the way down to um, Lilligren from, from the first pick from last year. And I guess you won't even consider Rasmus Dahlin yet. Or not Rasmus Dahlin. Um, Sandin, yeah. The, yes. <laughs> yeah. The, the, uh, their first pick this year. So they're, they're pretty deep on defense organizationally. Hmm. Now the question is, which of those guys does, can the Russian play? Can Zeta, you know, bounce back? Uh, so I think there's some answers internally they need to know before they necessarily, you know, go after a big piece, if they even go after a big piece, because that's an expensive proposition. And then that plays into, you know, you know, taking away from your real strength as a team. And that's, that's your, your depth and, 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 and speed and skill up front. Yeah, I'm with you, Steve. I think that it'll probably be something along the lines of the first chunk of the season and the first kind of line in the sand will be the, the Christmas break. How do they see? Have they seen enough? Are they still intrigued? And then after that, the, the, the ultimate trade deadline. But to see, yeah, because, hey, you know what? If you get Travis Dermott and other guys coming up and impressing, then those are in your system. Those are on your team now. Those are, are free. You don't have to pay anything else for them. Well, let's, let's go back a year. The Washington Capitals... When they, um, after they beat the Leafs, were eliminated in the playoffs, and they changed three of their six defensemen over the summer. They, you know, Alsner went, and and Norm, and Schmidt went to uh, Vegas, and you know there was a lot of change there, and everyone said that this team can't possibly compete. They're they're not they're a non-contender now. Well, they won the cup, yeah, and and they won the cup with a defense that I would say is not a whole lot better, a little tougher than the Leafs' defense, but not a whole lot better than the Leafs' defense. And with a, a number one, who's Carlson, who's he's a good NHL defenseman, no question, but is he that much better than Morgan Riley? I don't know. And I think, I think there's, you know, you look at the last two seasons, there was no stud-stud defenseman on, on the two Stanley Cup winners. Hmm. Uh, and and so maybe maybe you know teams look now and say if we have the puck we don't have to defend as much if we do a right. really good job in the neutral zone we don't have to defend as much which is what what the, which is what the Capitals did I mean they absolutely killed it in the neutral zone yeah and, and then the Penguins before them and so you know there's different ways of you know the standard template which we saw for years is you needed that eight defenseman to win a cup. 
Mm-hmm. You needed Drew Doughty. You needed Duncan Keith. You needed Zdeno Chara. You needed Pronger or Niedermeyer. Uh, the last few years have proven that there's other ways to do it. In conversation with Steve Simmons, Toronto Sun columnist on Twitter, at Simmons Steve. Okay, Steve, let's jump to the Blue Jays here. And we put out a poll question yesterday, and I thought it was going to be pretty one-sided. Anything but. People have been tearing at each other on, on Twitter over it. And the question was this. Two years since the Blue Jays have had any sort of success, who's to blame for the Jays' struggles? We, I want to point fingers. I want to say it's your fault. And so we put out as the options uh, the current regime of Shapiro and Atkins or Alex Anthopoulos for the the uh, thing was, okay, well, bad contracts was kind of going for it, but then didn't go all the way. Who was to blame? And it was it was leaning more towards Shapiro Atkins, but it was much closer than I thought. Who do you blame for the demise of the Jays? Well, you want to point fingers? You need about five of them. <laughs> because every finger is going to go in a different direction. I think Shapiro and Atkins inherited a really nice situation and didn't enhance it. Yes. You can put that on them. 100%. Um, circumstances have played such a role in what's happened here. Circumstances that you would never even consider. Um, Josh Donaldson missing basically an entire season. Yeah. Aaron Sanchez missing basically an entire season. Marcus Stroman being really average and a little bit injured. Uh, and, and so the strength of the Jays coming into this season with Stroman Sanchez, Hap Estrada, was the starting pitching. Well, other than Hap, it didn't work out that way, and he became the obvious piece to trade. So who do you blame when your stars are going down? When you know, I, I don't like the Tulowitzki story. And what I don't like about that is why did they wait so long before having surgery, which right. meant he, he basically lost the entire season. And 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 so... You look at each thing. Some of the some of the decisions are organizationally. Some of the decisions are for the players. You know what I don't like about Shapiro and Atkins is they strike me as garage sale operators. Okay. You know they're they'll they'll, they'll pick up a Salarte. They'll pick up a Teoscar Hernandez. They'll pick up you know sort of Randall Gritchett. They'll pick if you look at almost every guy they picked up. They're all below 300 on-base percentage, or right around 300 on-base percentage. Yeah, throw Granderson in there, too. Like, you, know, you can't win in the major league no. when you're doing that. Look at, look at the, the Phillies are an interesting team, because there's a lot of young guys that you don't really know very well that they picked up from other teams. They're all 340, 350, 360 on-base percentage guys at top of that order. You know, other than other than smoking, and even Ru- at least Russell Martin's numbers for, for on base are decent. But you know, the the con- you know Alex left behind the contracts of Tulowitzki and Martin, um, and and the, and the Jays signed Donaldson, uh, the new the new Jays did. But those were going to be. You knew the day Russell Martin signed that the end of his contract was going to be not great. Yeah, but but. I always thought he brought value to all the things that he did when he was catching. Now he has to move aside because, you know, they have another catcher and he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna be the expensive utility guy to get nothing from Tulo. That's $20 million of nothing. You know, $23 million of nothing from Donaldson. There's a lot of, a lot, a lot of nothing that's circumstantial. <laughs> but where was management to, to help you know, this team get 
faster and quicker and stronger and better hitters. And, you know, every baseball person, you know, people throw out all of the different, there's so many stats now and there's so many numbers and there's so many different things you can use. But the one thing almost everybody seems to agree on is that on-base percentage really, really matters. Right. And they were terrible at it last year and they're terrible at it again. And, you know, the guys they picked up, the off-season guys, none of them have have played a factor in, no. in that at all. They're all guys who don't get on base enough, and they don't run well enough. They, you know, you know run, run through. And, you know, the, and the one good news story in, in, this whole, in this weird, crazy season was two weeks of Kendis Morales. Right. <laughs> you know, who, who everybody was ready to get rid of, right? Yeah. He was like the least popular $11 million buy in history. And then all of a sudden, bang, home run, bang, home run. You know, suddenly, maybe maybe someone might even want him now. But there, you look right now, and you try and construct a lineup for the future. Oh, it's all patchwork. And it, there's nothing other than Vladdy Guerrero Jr. that you can look at and say, that's certain. Right, right. Everything else is maybe. You know, maybe Teoscar Hernandez can learn how to catch the ball. Maybe, you know, you know Diaz can play shortstop. Maybe, you know, Bichette will be ready soon. Maybe Biggio will be ready soon. Maybe these pitchers, like, it's funny. Everybody was all Ryan Baraki crazy. Yeah. You know, you know he looks like he's 11 years old and, <laughs> you know, pitching really well. You know, second time through the league, you learn about pitchers. Yes, when they figure you out. What, well, when teams just get a look at you and mm-hmm. they get a sense and everybody scouts. Get some tape, yeah. And suddenly, you know, you know, now he's getting hammered. And, you know, here was um, Pannon, you know, comes up and you think, wow, look at this guy. You know, so almost throws a no-hitter in his first start and gets hammered in his second start. Like, there isn't, there are not a lot of sure thing guys here. And for all the great talk about them rebuilding the system, most of the guys that are rebuilding the system with are the guys who were left behind when Anthopolis left. Exactly. And Steve, that's your, your point earlier to how the team, when Shapiro and Atkins really took over in that third year, so two years of playoffs, then the next year, when, when they lost to the Indians, what was the talk? As you said, they needed to get younger, they needed to get faster, they got Steve Pierce, old, slower, injury prone and I'm like well there you go and it's just like when you had that window you didn't take advantage and now it's like a wasted year like if you know you're going to rebuild fine go do it like it seems like we've wasted a year that could have been a rebuild if that management team wasn't going to go for it well here's the thing when when you look at players who come up you want to see where their fundamentals are. What have they learned in the minors? There's, all, there's been all this talk, changing the cat. Great catchphrases, right? Mm-hmm. Mark Shapiro catchphrase. We're going to change the chemistry. I've never quite known what that means <laughs> until, until it happens. We're yeah. going to do things differently in the minors. We're going to, we're going to develop better. So they, I'll, I'll use Lords Guriel Jr. as an example. So they bring up Lords Guriel Jr. And clearly he's going to be a major league hitter. You, know, right. you, you look at him, you can just see that. But I don't know where he's going to play. Sure. Doesn't look like a shortstop. Doesn't look like a second baseman. Um, third is going to be where Guerrero is until he, he can't play that anymore. 
Um, and so here you got to, you know, like, f- where where did they put him in the minors to teach him to play the place he's going to play in the big leagues? That's a great uh, point. And, yeah. and, and why are so many of these guys coming up seemingly fundamentally not sound? Hmm. And, 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 you know, I, I feel for John Gibbons because you can look at I – mean, when you look at last night's game, for example, you know, I think they made four, if they, four errors if, if they were all scored errors, and I don't know if they all were. But think to yourself, you know, managers are supposed to emphasize defense and supposed to be teaching that and working on it all the time. If you give a guy an outfielder who can't catch a ball, who can't track a ball properly – is that the manager's fault, or is it the fault of the people who gave him that guy? Yeah, and, and you gotta, where have they you been learning? This guy in left field, and you got to you got to try and make him an outfielder. Well, right? Isn't he supposed to learn that somewhere else? Be, you're not supposed to learn that in the majors. No, that's a great point, Steve. Yeah, you're you're, you're right. And, and then guy, I'm honestly he, he he plays the outfielder like a rec league player. Yeah, just casual. Have yeah, it's it's a guy who isn't technically sound. Yeah. Jeez. And, and, you know, when they traded for, I'll use Diaz as an example, because he's had a nice offensive year, in a way. Um, when they traded for him, a scout I know told me that he was the worst offensive shortstop in the National League. Wow. And he's actually he's been a little better than I expected, but, but that's what I was told by the scout. The same scout told me that Solarte couldn't play a position. Well, he really didn't really have a position to play. Um, and, and so clearly the guys that they have been able to either attract in trades or target are flawed players. And they probably know they're flawed, but there is, seems to be an organizational thinking that defense doesn't matter. And I'm old school that way. I don't understand it. Well, Steve, we're seeing that it does because they just got swept by the freaking Baltimore Orioles, like, sizably. Shut out 7 nothing, 12-5, 10-5 on a four-game losing streak. Like, you're being embarrassed by the Orioles, who are the worst team in baseball. You know what I'd love to do if it, if it was possible? I don't think it is possible. I'd love to go into a room with Buck Showalter and John Gibbons and the door closed, and we're going to talk off the record completely. What's it like managing these teams? Yeah, that'd be fascinating. Here you've got two quality major league managers. You know, I, I think Shaw Walters been one of the best and continues to be one of the best. And here he's got this absolutely dreadful lineup, and they and they traded half of it away. And you know, and 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 when you ask Gibbons questions at this point in the season, and he knows he can't answer them, he just rolls his eyes. Yeah, <laughs> like like you know, and and he he looks around like what you know. What am I going to do with this guy? I remember years ago, I'm going to a hockey analogy. Years ago, uh, when I was covering the Calgary Flames, they signed a defenseman out of U.S. college hockey. And they, part of the deal was, they signed him in midseason. Part of the deal was that he was going to play right away. That was in the contract. Okay. And the coach knew he couldn't play right away. And he looked at us one day and said, what the hell am I going to do with this kid? And they just spent every day teaching him and teaching him and teaching him. The funny thing is, Jamie McCallan had a pretty good NHL career. Oh. But, <laughs> but, but at the beginning, Bob Johnson was like, they, ha- they told me I have to play him. Gee, I ready. love Jamie McCallan, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, Steve, what a mess. What a mess. And it's still, because it's baseball, there's still a month to go.
Well, here, here, okay, but here's the thing. Let's let's look forward to. Let's go off season now for a sec. You have Marcus Stroman. What is he? Mm-hmm. And do you want him? With all that attitude, There's two yeah. sides there. Do you do you like him? Do you want him? And do you want his pitching? And what's he worth on a down season? Probably, you know, you're selling him at a at a low price if you're trading. What's Aaron Sanchez? These two guys were top of the rotation pitchers prior to the year. They in, were expected lot, to carry a lot it. of people's, and, and 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 they have top of the rotation talent. But but if you can't pitch, it doesn't matter. So what are they? And if they're not there, then who is there? And what's and the what message? Because Estrat, let's be honest, Estrat is gone. Yeah, he's done. You know, there is the possibility of Hap coming back. If Hap chooses to, but I don't know why he would. But, but, but he said that there's a possibility of that. And he'd be what thirty-seven or whatever. Yeah, he'd be pretty, pushing it. Pretty darn old. But you need you need those two guys to be significant, and they weren't this year, and half of them weren't last year, mm-hmm. and so we're now. Two seasons away from Sanchez being the ERA leader in the American League, and three seasons away from him being the the great eighth inning guy, and so he's had two lost years in a row. And do pitchers bounce back from that? Like, will he ever be great again, or can he be great again? With and, overcoming, yeah. Know, and and I don't care how smart Mark Shapiro might be. I don't care how smart Ross Atkins might be. They can't know the answer. It's impossible to know the answer. And you can't rely just on those you, guys. Just as they didn't know the answer all season long on Josh Donaldson, you know, who, you know, yesterday to me is the, is the ultimate Donaldson crazy story. You know, he's, you know they, they have him potentially on waivers, hopefully with interest from other teams, somebody interested in paying $4 million bucks for a month of Donaldson and maybe you know, stick him in their lineup and who knows, maybe get a playoff thing out of him. Um, if he's healthy enough to go, plays one game in Dunedin, can't play the second game. Well, eventually got rained out, so it didn't matter. And now they have a double header today, and I think it's probably too late now to get him on waivers, have him clear waivers, and then get him traded well, yeah. by, the, by the deadline to get him on a playoff roster. Leg soreness. So, he, this is like the ultimate indignity of one of the great Blue Jays there's ever been. Because, you know, why in God's name would you give. Uh, a qualifying offer to a guy you don't even know if he's going to be healthy enough to play. Jeez. Yeah, that's the thing. And, and you weren't going—you were going to get scraps for him anyway. Do, do, do you remember? Do you remember this? I don't, I don't know if you do. Ross Atkins had his end of season press conference or, or sit down with the media last year, as they tend to do, and he'll probably do at the end of this season. And we, we go over a million different things with him, and he tries to answer questions as best he can. And he brought this up. We didn't actually bring it up. He brought up one of the things that really had to improve was communication between the training staff, the players, the doctors, and management. He thought there was a, a disconnect in, in oh. how information was flowing and all that. If he thought that a year ago, what in... What in Name it is he thinking now? Yeah, jeez, oh man. Well, Steve, we could go, we could go all day with this. Let's uh, let's do it again soon. Thank you so much. All right, appreciate. It. Thanks, Andrew. All right, Steve Simmons, Toronto Sun columnist. Yeah, what a great point at the end. If Atkins was concerned about miscommunication, then what about now?